Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Keep Right On podcast. I'm Alex Dickin, I'm joined as ever by Brian Dick, and this week we've got a very special guest, former Blues defender, Curtis Davis. Hello Curtis, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, how are you? Really good, thank you. Um, Brian, we might as well start with uh, with where Curtis is joining us from, I think. Uh, Curtis, can you explain where you are and kind of what has brought you to this point in your career? Um, so yeah, I'm currently in Morocco um, with the Sierra Leone national team. Uh, it, it came as a bit of a, of a shock, um, the fact that I, I got a call up at the age of 38. Um, they had called me before, um, probably about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, actually when I was when I was at Blues. Um, but I was, I was in the stage of trying to get Blues back promoted with Chris Uton and, and it just was never the right time. And then um, I thought that chance had gone and then literally... Um, two Sundays ago I got a message from the physio on Instagram and um, it all went from there and just happened really quickly and yeah I'm out here in Morocco and um, yeah I'm due to make my debut against Somalia. The, the connection Curtis is through your dad is that right? That's right yeah my dad was born in Freetown in um, Sierra Leone um, he came over when he was 13 with his family and um, his family went back um, in so he came over what 1970 and I think his family went back 1975, 90s, uh, yeah, about 1975, and um, he stayed because he was old enough. He wanted to stay and and try and live the English dream, and uh, he's um, yeah, he's he's lived here ever since. Fantastic. Will you have uh, extended family members in in the in the crowd for the Somalia game? No, not today because we're in Morocco. Um, they won't do. But um, during the next campaign in next um, international, sorry, um, we play uh, Ethiopia away. And then we play Egypt um, at home. But our home games at the moment are being played in Monrovia um, due to the, uh, some issues with the stadium. So I imagine a few Sierra Leoneans will get across the border into Liberia and, and go watch the game there. And forgive me for pointing out, but you're, you're probably closer to one end of the career, your career than the other. Uh, yeah. At 38, uh, international football, I would imagine, probably wasn't at the top of your to-do list this summer when you were, when you were looking for a new challenge, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, I think a lot of people say you should be winding down when you come to my age. But um, but yeah, I think it was a welcomed um, boost, really. I think I've, I've said that because of the way things have gone at Cheltenham this year and, and we haven't been able to score a goal, haven't won a game. Um, I think it just came as a bit of an ego boost, if I'm being honest. Um, the fact that I still had value for someone, I still had um an importance to somebody and importance to um i don't know a, a whole infrastructure of a of a of a team um and the fact that like i say the pride side of it as well that i can make my family in sierra leone very proud and, and particularly my dad um is is massive for me so it's um it's a great boost at this, this stage of my career 
And, and how's it been? You've been over there, what, a week or so, have you? Or? Yeah, it's um, it's been good. It's been interesting. Some of the pitches haven't been great, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, so I think you always sh- shouldn't take for, for granted what you have back at home. And and when you do complain about having a dry pitch at the training ground or anything like that, um, definitely <laughs> can't complain out here. So, yeah, it's um, it's been a bit difficult with things like that. But the, the group's good. It's a good group of lads and um, some good players. Um, and I'm looking forward to to the game. Do you know any of them, any of the lads before you came, or was it literally just the physio that you knew? No, so there's um, there's three other English-based players: um, Osman KK from um, QPR, um, Suley, um Kai Kai from Cambridge, and um, Amadou Bakayoko, who plays at Dundee United at the moment. But he was at Coventry and mm. and uh, Warsaw before. So as as local teams, um, a few locals might know him. Yeah, indeed. Um, obviously, Curtis, we're, we are a Birmingham City podcast, and uh, you've, yourself, you've got a, a lot of experience in the Midlands. One, one of the few people to have made the move from one side of the city, whose, uh, whose name we dare not speak, to the other. Um, that was back in 2011. What are your what are your memories of that time? And you know, was it what, was it even a consideration that you were for you at that time that you were crossing? Uh, the great, the great divide in Birmingham. Um, so at the time, I'd been effectively frozen out at the other club. Um, <laughs> Good lad. Um, <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I'd been, I'd been frozen out. Um, I, I, I basically, I had a shoulder injury the back end of two thousand nine, um, which kept me out for three months. And the club in that time signed Dunn and Collins because it was right near the window. Um, when I came back in the January, um, I, I tried to go on loan, didn't happen. I wasn't allowed to, was told I'd be part of the plans and then basically was sitting at home doing nothing most of the weeks because I wasn't in the squads. Then the new season started, a new manager came in in, in Gerard Houllier and then um, still was the same. So um, I think there was a little bit of politics to do with payments that would have been made to to West Brom if I'd played more games and also to myself but nobody just said that to me because then I would have just made myself scarce and, and got on my way um, but yeah so after that frustration I, I managed to get on loan to um, to Leicester with Sven Goran Eriksson um, had three months there which was like revitalised me and, and I, I pretty much I've said saved my career really because I was on a I was losing my head basically with everything and, and in my personal life things weren't great at the time and then um, and then I basically I'd actually signed to go back in in January so literally a day before Blues had put in the um the bid I'd I'd signed to go to go back to Leicester and then um it's only my agent called me and said that um Villa have pulled the plug on Leicester and I was obviously going a bit mad he go no 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 wait he goes it's because Birmingham have put a permanent offer in and for me it was it was a no brainer and um it wasn't the same as like with all due respect some crossing over as if I'd played all the games for Villa that season and then I'd gone to the other side. It, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't seen as a Villa player anymore as such in, in my eyes. And if anything, I was more disappointed to let Leicester down than I was to leave Villa, if you know what I mean. Just because yeah. I'd signed the, I'd signed back there on loan. I'd had such a good time there, was really enjoying it. Um but ultimately the chance to go to Birmingham on a permanent deal was was too good to to turn down. Um but ultimately, when it when I did get there, it didn't actually work out that great to start. To be honest, under under Alex McLeish. 
Yeah, so you are, you, you've witnessed firsthand the uh, the joys and the sorrows, which is something of a of a, of a club catchphrase. Uh, joy of winning winning the Carling Cup, for which you were cup tied, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, then the 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 way things tailed off to, to, towards the end. Um, were you? Did you feel the air coming out of the balloon, Curtis, after the joy of of Wembley? Um, not so much. I think we'd geared everything towards that game first and foremost. But I think the bigger problem for me, and you know, I I think that when we did go through little sticky moments, I think the manager tried to get back to that that team as much as possible, and I think that 11 and I think yeah. that's all well and good but there's horses for courses and there's different players can affect games differently and stuff like that so um, I, I think it was more blind faith sometimes with players rather than kind of working on alright this player's been in good form in training or this player's come on and done really well um, and I think that that cost us really because I think I can give an example is um, Martin Juranek um, was injured for six weeks before the Liverpool game. Um, had a dodgy toe, something something wrong with his toe. All week, Stephen Carr, the captain, obviously had been saying to me, you're playing, be ready, make sure you're ready, make sure you're ready. So, you know, I'm getting my head down, making sure I'm ready to play, blah, blah, blah. Um, even, you know, we do a little bit of shape towards it. I'm in the shape. And then, um, literally on the Friday, Martin trained. And then... Um, we go to travel, Martin's on the bus. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's just traveling, you know, we're all in it together, we stick together, blah, blah, blah. Uh, don't think anything of it. The next day when we do the, the meeting at the hotel, um, we name the team at whatever it is, one o'clock before you leave the hotel. Alex McLeish turns over the sheet and Martin, you're next playing centre-half instead of me. Right. So my head's totally gone. My head's fried. My head's already fried with the fact that I was told I was coming here to play we were obviously Scott Dan getting injured and I'm not and then the fact that the man, the captain of the door week told me be ready you're playing you're playing you're playing and then the guy that's been out for six weeks is now playing ahead of me um, just just made me lose my head and almost made me want to give up um, but you know we go into that game and <clears throat> by no means am I saying that I would have stopped us losing the game or anything like that you go into the game, we lose that game 5-0. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that Martin was individually at fault, but what I'm saying is when you bring in a player that hasn't played for six weeks, the defence can be at sixes and sevens because of positioning. And if we'd only lost that game 3-0, say, come the last game of the season, when we're one all with Tottenham and me and Roger Johnson are going up front trying to get a goal because we have to get a goal because of what happened at Wolves, it's a different situation. And yeah. we might, and we might not have ever dropped down to the champion. Yeah. So when you, when you, sorry, go on. I know, I know it's a, it's a big, what if, and you know, ifs and buts and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's always been a gripe for me that that kind of happened, and I think it, it was a big thing for the club come the end of the season. Yeah. And I think we probably have to remember where you are were in your career at the time as well. You'd probably been pretty scolded by what went on the Villa that you 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 came to Blues expecting <laughs> to play, and then yep. uh, uh, and then you get these these setbacks. So yeah, when when you say you when you say you lost your head, can you can you paint any more put, put any more 
paint on that on that picture for us, Curtis? How did that go? I think the whole thing of like I say, it, I was enjoying it at Leicester. <clears throat> I was ready to go back to Leicester and play and just see out the season and then see what happens in the, the season. Like I say, Scott Dan got injured in the um, in the semi final of the Carabao Cup. Yeah, and then um, <coughs> pardon me, sorry. <clears throat> then um, obviously, like I say, was signed, told I'm going to play, and then um, when I first came in, there was like on my scans because obviously they scan everything. There was a slight tear on my groin. Right. Now this tear was <clears throat> minuscule. I hadn't even noticed it. I hadn't even known about it. I had no issues with my groin. And the situation we were in, <clears throat> I would have been obviously happy to crack on and play, which I wanted to do. Sold on, oh, no, no, look after it, blah, blah, blah. And like I say, and then from that, you know, I have the week. And then once we get to the Carabao Cup final and that team wins, like I said to you in his head, that's yeah. success. So that's what killed me already. And then, um, and like I say, and then we get to the next stage of, I've already had that where I'm frustrated that I'm not playing, but all right, if he wants to go with that Carabao Cup team so far, that's fine. But when they start losing and he's still going with the same team, that's a problem. And then obviously then, like I said, the captain all week has told me, be ready, yeah. you're going to play, you're going to play. And I'm sure he'd have a bit of knowledge um, <clears throat> it was it was more frustrating as well because, like I say, I'd, I'd literally geared myself up mentally, prepared. You know, going to Anfield isn't an easy place to go, and I was making sure that I was ready to go and, and doing everything I could to to make sure I'm at my my very best. And when you when you're that tense all week trying to get yourself towards a game, and then it's taken from under your feet, it's um it's a tough blow to take. Yeah, indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we all know how how that season ended. Uh, you've mentioned there the uh, the, the the defeat at, at Tottenham, which under under distant, different circumstances and different goal, different scenario may never have happened. Um, there was something of a clearing of the decks or a fire sale in 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 that summer, and obviously McLeish left and, and went to Villa, which I guess I'm sure you've, you you you'd have been as surprised as anybody of that, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, listen, I've I've got nothing against Alex McLeish, by the way. I I, I like okay. him as a person. Yeah. I have no I have no personal grudge against him. I, I just understand that that's that's where his head was. He was trying to always get back to that team. So there's no gripe against him as a person. Yeah. Simply as a manager, he didn't pick me, and I thought I should have been picked more than I was. Um, yeah. But him going to Villa after getting Blues relegated is is unheard of. You know, I I know I know at Blues we won the cup. <clears throat> but but if you take a team down to the championship, surely and a club like Villa aren't looking at somebody that's just relegated the club to take to their club. It just it just didn't make sense. But obviously um it happened. Yeah. Um it, it didn't go well there um for him. Um I, he wasn't the only one, there were a few other managers that didn't go well for as well. Um but ultimately we, we had Chris Uton in that I think we were unlucky and he gave us the best chance of, of getting back up that year, but we just fell short. Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, Chris Hewton came in. Your Blues career got real lift off, didn't he? You played 50-odd games that, that season. Um, and again, you know, it was a case of uh, so near, but yet so far. Did fatigue play a part in in, in the end? Because if the team had 60-odd 60, 60 games, you know, the league season went into the playoffs, so there was there was... 
there was two more there. Was was it an issue? Do you feel, Curtis? Not for you, but collectively. Um, I'd like to say I'd, I'd not like to use that as an excuse because I think the, I, I come back to the Blackpool game in general, like the more so the second game. Yeah. The first, the first game is a deflected goal off of myself. The manner we conceded the two goals in the second game, that's nothing to do with fatigue. That's just bad defending and poor. Right. So, so ultimately, like I say, you don't concede those goals. You get through to a final. You're one one shot away from back going back to the Premier League. So, I wouldn't like to say I I think as a group we rode the 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 glory of the fact that we we're in Europe and then we're playing FA Cup, then we're playing FA Cup replays, then we're playing in the league. Like, I think we 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 got a buzz off of the fact we were just playing all the time and trying to keep momentum and. Obviously, there were stints where we'd pushed on that top two. And maybe if we hadn't had the other games around it, we might have been able to just focus on the league and sustain our place in the top two. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like I say, I think I think it kept... The fact that we had so many games meant the squad stayed fresh. Um, the squad was able... In, in terms of... When I say stayed fresh, obviously you're playing a lot of games, but what I'm saying is you're able to keep people sharp because... You know, a uh, uh, Mogaro Gomez might come in and play a game, and then a uh, Jonathan Spector might play a different game, and then you know, so everyone had kind of, if they're coming into the team, it's not been too long since their last game, mm-hmm. um, so that was a good thing, and and it also helps the the man management of the squad, because obviously everyone wants to play in the league games, but if you can turn around to someone and say, listen, you're not playing today, but you're going to play on Thursday against Bruges, you know, and then oh, you're not playing against Bruges, but you're going to play in the league on on Sunday. It's a big, it's a big thing to be able to do, and it does keep, keep players happy. And then, <clears throat> obviously, getting into the FA Cup and having two replays in that as well, obviously to add extra games. Um, it was a, it was a balmy old season. But I, I think, I personally think that, like I say, the the back to back of the games, the togetherness that we managed to have from all that travelling um, to all these, you know, going to these foreign places and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it was good for the group, and I think um, it, it's what brought us together as a collective. We again finances became even more tight when when the when the team didn't return to, to the Premier League. Was there a time in in that in that summer of twenty twelve after the playoff campaign that you were potentially leaving, or or, or you know obviously you you played one more season, didn't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I know, I know the club were looking at their assets, and you were very much an asset at that stage. Yeah. Well, um, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, Chris Uton was was trying to take me to Norwich. Right. So as soon as as soon as he went, um I got a call in the summer from from Chrissy and just said, Listen, um thanks for everything you've done for me. Um like you were unbelievable last season, blah blah blah. Um and just kind of like I'll be in touch, like a wink and a nod. And then um it started happening that bids were going in. Um but what happened is the club sold sold um Jack Butland and then from selling Jack Butland it meant that um, so sorry in the summer they this is the summer sorry the summer they didn't yeah, yeah. want to sell yeah. me and then in the January they sold January. Jack Butland so that's where yeah. they got their they clawed back some money and then because Jack Jack was loaned back as well it was easier so when it came to January Chrissy came back for me um, but the club said we've sold Jack we don't don't need any money yeah. Um, so for me, it was just a case of, you know, get my head down. Um, I, it didn't seem at that time that, with all due respect, we were going to have that same promotion push 
we might have been able to be an outside for a playoff chance, but we hadn't had that consistency that we had from the year before. Um, and ultimately, you know, we kind of finished there or thereabouts where we should have finished. And it was frustrating because what we had built that season before, it, you know, if you just be able to add a little bit to it, despite the manager going, if you just be able to add a little bit to it and give it another go, yeah. I think we would have been in a really good place to go up. But due to the fact that, you know, we didn't um, and we actually lost from it, that that was a big loss. And Because, you know, you, you've got the likes of the the Nathan Redmonds that have now had a season under their belt and stuff like that. And then the, even the loanees that we brought in, Ravel Morrison and, and Rob Hall and stuff, like that, they, were, they were adding quality to the group. So if we kind of mm-hmm. just got that all going, I think we would have had a really good chance of going back up again. Yeah, uh, it, it came at... In the end of, the, of that, that season under Lee Clark, the team didn't go up. You did move on to Hull, so you went up to the Premier League, didn't you? And, and had a good time at Hull and, and then on to Derby, um, which is where, which is brings us to where you'd have, you'd have come across both Wayne Rooney and Ashley Cole. Um, I'm going to hand over to Alex uh, Curtis now. Thank you very much for that really interesting stuff. No problem, Alex. I know I know you want to to talk to uh, to. To Curtis about his, his his experiences with with Wayne. Yeah, it'd be remiss not to uh, get the lowdown on the new Blues manager. Um, one of the first things I wanted to ask was kind of we all followed that Derby story in in twenty one twenty two and obviously a bit before that the the financial problems and the the situation that you guys had to deal with. Can you just give us kind of uh, a more of an insight as to what it was actually like to be part of that team with all that was going on in the background? Um, so it's the strangest thing in the world that it was a good time to be part of that team because mm. the togetherness, there was no, you know, sometimes in dressing rooms there can be a bit of, you know, toxicness and stuff like that around bad times. Oh, it's his fault, it's his fault. But because we knew everything was off pitch, off field issues. We were so together. The group was was so united, and and Wayne was massive for that. He was massive for that. The way we were were playing, the way he wanted us to play, the way him and Rosie set us out was was massive. Because even though we're down near the bottom of the league because of the well, we are at the bottom of the league because of the points deduction. Um, we're enjoying playing every week because of the style we're playing. Because mm. we're going into games and enjoying. Let's just have a go. Let's just go for it. Whereas, like, you know, when, you, when you're down the bottom, sometimes managers will be a bit more cautious and be like, right, let's hang in there and nick a goal and then we'll, we'll, then we'll shut up shop. Wayne wasn't like that. Wayne was like, listen, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down, like, making a show of it. So that's the way we wanted to play. And he was brilliant for that. But like I say, everything off the pitch was was one thing. And, and obviously those, those were big worries. But in terms of us as a collective in that changing room, um, I mean, staff as well, it was it was brilliant to be part of that um and that group that unity was um was what carried us to 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 a few good victories that season i mean rooney's only i think three years into his his managerial career um the two at derby and then obviously 15 months at dc um he's probably obviously still learning but what what kind of a coach is he and what did you find from him on the training ground so i'd say wayne's more of a manager than a coach if mm. I'm- I'm being totally honest. He obviously, when we come to do so around our our games and stuff like that, when we when we would be doing the team shape, he would step in, say what he wants. So that side of it, he'll obviously coach that side of it. 
Um, and he'll obviously sometimes take smaller bits and bobs and, and remind people of the standards that he wants or, or maybe take a little finishing session, something like that. Obviously, it's a good person to learn from when it comes to a little finishing or, or, or a passing session or something like that. So, so Wayne's more personal with that stuff. But Wayne's strength is the man management. You know, he's he's got his coaches there and, and obviously... Now at Blues, he's, he's, he's got three new coaches in that will coach and he'll just be the one to be around watching players, seeing players' moods, picking up on, oh, why is he down? Put an arm around him, um, maybe giving someone a little bit of a G up by telling them off maybe, you know. That's his that's his skill set now. And um, But then at the same time, when he does need to step in and give his insight as a as a top world-class player, he's able to do so. And, and But ultimately, like I say, he's got three coaches in well, actually four, shall I say, actually, um, that he'll trust and he'll just pick up little bits where he wants to. I guess, I guess with what you said there, team talks is probably a bit of a, a key thing for him then. Yeah, I think <clears throat> it, it, it was it was a strange narrative because obviously having played at Manchester United and been at the top level his whole career, you know, I don't think he... He was. He might have actually been part of that Everton team when they they just survived, but that would have been the only time in his career mm-hmm. that he'd ever been down the bottom of the league. So him trying to drag us out of a relegation fight is a is a switch of gear. So his motivation in terms of trying to get you to 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 win a to win a game to stay up, he, he just he just went with it. You know, it, it wasn't a case of some rallying cry that we're going to go win like it was just listen we're in this situation but we're in it together we we stick together only us are going to get us out of it he goes all i'll ask of you is stick to the game plan i've asked you to play this way you're more like and the thing is with with wayne you're more likely to get dropped or taken out the team if you if you're not brave Mm. so so the way he wants to play if if you want to say me as a centre half, if I just start booting the ball up the pitch when he's asking us to play, I won't play. <laughs> It'd rather you be brave and make mistakes than than to 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 basically go against the game plan because then the rest of the structure around it won't work. And listen, he obviously gives you gives you um, creative control that obviously you'll know the right time and and you're an experienced player, you know the right time to to make a short pass or to make a longer pass, of course. But he'd rather his players stick to the game plan, try and play as much as possible, and then from there, like I say, the success that I say success, the the, the types of games that we were able to win, you know, um, at Derby that season, kind of you know stood by us. So we we played Sheffield United at home, beat Sheffield United, beat Bournemouth, mm. um, beat Fulham. We were we're the only team this season that's that season when they they went up to to have taken more points off of them. We took four points off of Fulham, so. There's obviously proof in the pudding when you, you have a go at it, um, but obviously, like I say, he's got to have a bit bit of time with this Blues group and work out everyone's strengths and weaknesses first and foremost before he he implements it properly. Have you? Because obviously, after he left Derby, he did go straight back in at DC. And from what I'm told, that wasn't kind of the perfect MLS job, and that so far in his career, managerial career, he's had two probably quite difficult jobs probably looking at this one as the first kind of acid test where he's got you know the actual the, the, the qualities in a squad to, to compete at this level and have a good season in this league 
have you been impressed by that he's he's not taken the easy route in management? Because let's be honest, you know, with a, a name as big as his, he could have taken other more lucrative jobs, perhaps elsewhere, like Saudi Arabia and so forth. Yeah, well, I think the thing with Wayne is um, he he wants to be a manager. Like mm. he wants to, he wants to manage a team, and with all due respect, um, <coughs> an offer from <coughs> Saudi Arabia or something like that. Obviously, they would offer him a lot of money. He's he's earned a lot of money in his career, but mm. it's what's more important to him right now to potentially be a top manager in England or to be a manager that's earned a lot of money. And I think for him, he wants to be a top manager. So I think after the Derby job, obviously the Derby was his introduction and I think it was a baptism of fire. Um, but once he did decide to step away, I actually thought his stock's so high, he can just take a breather for a little while and then mm. wait to see what kind of comes to him. Um, but then obviously... A couple of months later, he decided to go back to DC. DC being his old club, of course, so there was a connection. It wasn't just a case of he just chose any random MLS side. Um, but yeah, he, he obviously had a go out there. He, and I guess he wanted to keep active. You know, we criticise some managers um, for, for waiting for the perfect job. I think, you know, he wanted to stay active. He, he, he got back in as quick as he could. Um, but ultimately, it didn't work out in DC. But I think right now, I think the players, having played against Blues twice this this season already in, in pre-season and in the Carabao Cup, I think the players at, at, at your disposal, at Blues, I think he'll um, he'll he'll definitely make some things happen with that team and the way you play and and it will be quite exciting and and quite enjoy <laughs> enjoy enjoy football, shall I say? Um, but there will be times when you're on the edge of your seats, thinking just kick it up the pitch, like. <laughs> But I think you need to be patient with it. I think um, it will it will get you excited, and um, and yeah, I think it will it will be a, a good time for Blues. Yeah, it's not only Wayne Rooney you know from this this new coaching staff. Obviously, you played alongside Ashley Cole for a little bit at Derby when he was he joined under Frank Lampard, and obviously also Pete Shuttleworth who's joined the coaching staff. Uh, firstly, on Cole, did you see him going into this this side of the game as well after finishing? Um, I could see it. Yeah, just because of. Uh, the way he is, so I was I was injured, unfortunately, when Ash came in. I'd done my Achilles. But when I was doing some of my sessions towards back in the season, as I was getting fit, um, Ash had a slight niggle, so he did some sessions with me. He was a machine. He was 38 years old, so same age as me now, but 38 years old, and he was a machine. His, his attitude to work, and this is just with me and him and the physio, so no one was watching. No one, his attitude to work... And his standards were just constantly top, top, top all the time. So when it comes to training, in training, everything has to be top. If not, he's, he's having a go at people. He's making sure. And not saying like whinging. I'm talking about mm. oh, better pass, stronger pass, give me the ball, blah, blah, Like, which keeps standards high. So I think when he goes into this training group now, I think they'll have the idea, oh, my God, it's Ashley Cole. But every time they make a mistake, he'll be on them. So they'll think, oh, I don't want to upset Ash. I don't want to upset Ash. Because you have to be on it. And this is the thing when you've got these elite players. We've got England's best ever left back and possibly one of the world's best ever left backs, in, in my opinion, as your coach. And then you've got Wayne Rooney as your manager. And then you've still got John O'Shea that's won a Champions League and, and won multiple Premier Leagues, FA Cups, etc. You know, so there's nowhere to hide these players have been at the very top of their game for years and years. 
and they know the standards that it requires to go to that next level. And if you drop below those standards, they'll be on you. So I think it's it's going to be massive. Any player in that group, you're only going to learn and you're only going to grow. Or you sink and that's it. You, you go on and you move on to pastures new. But this is a great time to be part of Blues. Like I say, I think um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive learning curve for a lot of these players. But I think they'll all enjoy it. And the main thing is, even though they'll be hard on you as, as coaches because of the standards they require, they're good people. And and yeah. they'll definitely um they'll definitely want to help you, but also be, be good around the place as well. They're not they're not so far removed from from championship players, or shall I say, um that they're not unable to speak to on a level. So um yeah, they're really good people. I was gonna say coaching stuff might be the players in the father side. Um <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> um on on Pete Shuttleworth, he's he's taken a, a very different route into into coaching in that he's he's not been a professional player and he's kind of worked his way up, been at Blues before in various like analyst and and scouting roles um, before Rooney promoted him at, at Derby. Uh, what was kind of his role at Derby in that coaching setup, and what what role did he play in terms of preparation for matches behind the scenes? So Pete was actually the analyst when we were at Derby. Mm. So Pete wasn't a coach. Um, so Pete would do the analysis. Um, obviously, would would be so on say before a match when we do the set pieces and stuff like that he'd, he'd come out and help with the set pieces because he's analysed what they do and he'll help set us up so that was his little bit of coaching that he got to do um, but obviously when when Wayne went to, to DC he took Pete with him and Pete obviously has always wanted to be a coach he's coached um, before and he's got his, his A licence and stuff like that so Pete was buzzing for the opportunity to go and, and it was his time to shine really and um Obviously, the work he's done over there, the experience he's gained in terms of first-team coaching and stuff like that um, has meant that Wayne's wanted to bring him back and bring him into this group as well. So I think credit to Pete because he's got he's put in the hard yards, he's, he's put in the distance, but he's such a great guy. Honestly, like I, I, I keep talking about all of them in this sense, but Pete is, is an absolute top man and I'm, I'm so buzzing to see... One, that he's got back to Blues, but he's got back to Blues as a coach as well because um, he deserves it. Excellent. I think that just about wraps everything up. Uh, thank you very much, Curtis, for joining us. Um, cheers, Brian. I thanks, everyone, for uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. We'll be back again same time next week where hopefully we'll be uh, celebrating Wayne Rooney's first victory as Birmingham City manager. It's a keeper on from me. And and keep right on from me as well sorry Alex and and thanks very much Curtis for joining us and, and good luck with Sierra Leone and Cheltenham thank you very much keep right on